It's a confusing time of year to be a traditional Christian, to sit with stories like these in the midst of everything we call the modern American Christmas, is it not? Um, we add to this confusion, like we do it to ourselves. Uh, we did something this week that I'm sure many of you have done this year, or in years past at least have done. We went and looked at Christmas lights. And I feel like Christmas lights capture the confusion that is the modern American Christmas experience. There's a neighborhood close to where we live, and I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I feel like it has to be true. That I feel like the HOA requires that if you live there, you have to decorate your home with Christmas lights. I, we drove through this neighborhood, probably 95% of the homes were covered in lights one way or another. Um, there was one home that did not, and yet they took rope lights and in their yard just wrote the word ditto, <laughs> which I liked. It was a very clever way to get out of decorating your home. Um, but it was interesting. We drove through earlier this week, and you see basically every holiday symbol on display kind of all in equal measure, all mixed up and spit out. And so you've got uh, a pretty strong showing from Elsa and Anna and Olaf. Um, uh, Buddy the Elf did quite well this year. There was one home that had a full-size mannequin dressed up like Clark Griswold. I think that was my favorite. It's like they got it from Macy's or somewhere and put it in their front yard and, and recreated a scene. Uh, it, was, it was interesting. Uh, a few manger scenes in there somewhere, you know, like mixed into all of this. Santa, as always, performed quite well. Uh, four to one, I think, outperformed everyone else because there's so many variations of Santa. You can have Santa falling off the roof. One of them had Santa water skiing behind an inflatable ski boat. You know, the, the whole thing. I mean, you name it, you can find it. Uh, I can't critique this too heavily because... This year, uh, on our roof, we have Sansa and Rudolph inflatables where they're roasting marshmallows together. And so I, I am as guilty uh, as, I, as I am critical. So uh, take, that, take what I have to say with a grain of salt. Um, I say that simply to say, as we now approach the end of Advent, as we're now just a few days away from Christmas, it is very difficult for us culturally to sort through everything that comes at us this season. Um, so many things that we even take on this season make it hard for us to have the clarity that I think we need as the church to enter into Christmas week. I'll give you one other example, just kind of the case in point. In addition to inflatables, uh, we also like Christmas music this time of year. I'm sure all of you uh, either choose it or it is forced upon you one way or another. You know Christmas is almost here when you uh, feel like you're going to throw up if you hear one more Christmas song. And uh, for us, one that seems to find its way on often is that great classic Santa Claus is coming to town. Uh, you all know it, I'm sure. What's interesting is how ridiculous this song is, uh, especially the lyrical content. I'll, I'll give you a little uh, taster. Uh, Santa Claus knows we're all God's children. That makes everything right. <laughs> so fill your hearts with Christmas cheer because Santa Claus comes tonight. Innocent enough. Uh, the next verse, though, I, I really get into. It, it says this, peace on earth will come to all if we just follow the light. It's a little vague, but on the whole, I can get with it. Like, I... <laughs> See where that's going. Uh, so let's give thanks to the Lord above. It's getting better. It's getting pretty good. Uh, that Santa Claus comes tonight. So close. <laughs> we were so close. Um, that verse, in a nutshell, sums up, I think, our collective Christmas experience. Like, we know the Lord is in there. We know light is shining somehow. But really, we know Santa's also coming. And somehow, all of these things... Um, carry equal weight in our heart, it seems. Um, so sit with that for a minute. On the other hand, kind of to introduce a parallel image, speaking of songs, uh, 
I want to talk about songs, at least for, my, for me and my church experience growing up, song, the way in which we sang songs featured really heavily. We sang lots of songs and we sang as a way to express devotion, reverence to God. Most of the songs in the church I grew up with had this language of yearning, language of longing for the nearness of God. We sang phrases like, I want to see you. I want to know you. You're all I want. And whether that was actually true or aspirationally true, those are the kinds of songs that we sang. This was the way we gave voice to our Christian devotion. And so if that's kind of this language of aspiration mixed with this confusion, what I would simply say is as I read our gospel reading today, I feel like we have really emphasized the approachability of Jesus. And there's something good and true about that, singing songs where we want to know Jesus in an intimate way. And yet, when I look at Mary, the approachability of Jesus in our reading today comes into contact with this transcendent mystery, the wonder, the majesty, the reverence of God with us. And when I pause and think about our modern Christmas experience, it does give me pause. And I wonder, have we missed something? And could the Annunciation, could this story from Luke 1 help us? And so for just a few minutes, I want to sit with the words that we read in Luke chapter 1. We read these words every year. Every single Advent, we read what's called the Annunciation, the announcing to Mary by the angel that the Lord is with you. That's what the angel says, these great words of comfort. The Lord is with you, which is the very heart of our prayer as the church. If we wanna talk about longing, desiring something from God, at our very core level, it should be this prayer that we would say, God be with us, God be near to us. And yet we learn something, don't we, from Mary's response because How does Mary respond to that announcement? Is she flooded with this overwhelming sense of peace and calm? Does she have this great emotional response of thanksgiving and appreciation? Does she just wanna soak the moment up, kind of just linger in the moment? No, no, and no, none of that is true. What do you see? It says she was much perplexed. Mary was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. I think there is much wisdom for us in those words. If I could kind of sum up what I want to say in a sentence today, it's this. If, if our encounter with God does not reframe, does not reorient our entire existence, it's probably not God that we've encountered. If our encounter with God does not cause this kind of holy disorientation that shakes up everything else we think or believe to be true, in some ways, it's probably not God that we've encountered because the reality of God actually coming to dwell with Mary leaves her undone. She's completely undone by it. And the early church talked about this a lot. I came across this really interesting quote this week by someone that I knew very little about. You've probably never heard this guy's name. Um, Saint Peter Chrysologos. Saint Peter Chrysologos. You know, you know Saint Pete. He's not frequently quoted, and yet, if you look him up, he is a doctor of the church, he is um, a bishop in the church, and one of the things I love about him, maybe the most, is if you look him up, top level, the thing he's most remembered for is giving inspiring, meaningful, very short sermons. (laughs) Like fourth century, that's what he was remembered for. That's the guy who gives 
dense, meaningful, very short sermons. And I thought, that's my guy. I'm gonna follow, I'm gonna see what he's on to. There's something here. Um, But here's what he said. This is so beautiful, profoundly beautiful. St. Peter Chrysologos says this. It was by a soothing motion and holy affection that God transformed the virgin into a mother for himself and made his handmaid into a parent. Listen to this. Nevertheless, her bosom was disturbed, her mind recoiled, and her whole state became one of trembling when God, whom the whole of creation does not contain, placed his whole self inside her bosom and made himself a man. I think Mary's perplexity in this story is not because she fails to understand what's going on. She's perplexed because she actually understands. She understands fully what the angel is saying to her. And as she grasps grasps it, she's overcome by the glory of God. And I would just say in all of the cultural confusion and all of our language of accessibility, of yearning to know God, I wonder if there's something here for us in this where we should also, when we hear this story, be overwhelmed, be floored. We should be knocked senseless by the glory of God drawing near. This is the most marvelous event in the history of the world. Um, It is so glorious, we should barely be able to read these words, and yet the heart of the incarnation is that we can read them, that God longs to be known, that as he draws near, we are not overcome, but we receive God and are made like him. One of my, I mentioned this years ago, one of my favorite icons is that of the Virgin Mary, which is called Our Lady of the Burning Bush. You can Google it, it's really interesting. It's a bit of a typological read, which says the burning bush on Mount Sinai in the Old Testament is a type of the Virgin Mary. Why? Because in the burning bush, you see a bush that is fully aflame with the very presence of God, and yet the bush is not consumed. The bush does not burn up, but is preserved even while being fully aflame. And the church throughout the years in its wisdom has said, that's what we see in this story. That Mary, when the Lord draws near, is like a bush fully aflame with the life of God, and yet she is not consumed by it. It does not destroy her, but it makes her fully alive. And that is what is promised to me and to you in the incarnation of Christ and the gift of the Spirit, that we could be like Mary in this way, that when God draws near, we become filled with the fire of God, and yet it does not destroy us, but makes us fully alive. I'll close with one other Christmas carol um, because the, the one we opened with is, is not all that precise theologically. Let's try a better one. One of my favorite hymns is O Little Town of Bethlehem. You know this song? Uh, it's childlike in many ways. My kids love to sing this song and yet every time it comes on or we sing it, I'm always struck by the beauty and the depth of especially this line. It says this, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. I think you could take time this week and meditate on that line. You could sit with that line as we approach Christmas. Because uh, like that language of desire, that language of longing, you either hear those words and it resonates and you say, yes, that is my longing for God to be born in me today. Yet you could also hear that and, and really be neutral, be in some ways indifferent to that 
line to that prayer. Um, And so maybe your prayer is simply that, God, would you move in such a way that when I read that or pray that, it actually would be true. Like, I want to want you. That's a faithful prayer to say, I may not actually want or desire you, but I want to. And so would you do that work in me? Would you begin that work? That's part of what Advent's about, to create space to stir up that desire, to create room for the Spirit to breathe that new life in us. And so even with just a few days left, this last week of Advent, it is not too late to move in that direction. And I would encourage you to look at the Virgin Mary this week and see her as a picture of how we respond to God. Because the other really famous line from what we read today is this. Even though she senses the weight of this announcement, even though she receives it in all of its transcendent glory and wonder, what does she say? She says, may your word to me be fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary is often called the first Christian. Did you know that? She's sometimes called the first disciple. And it's because of that line, primarily, that she has called us much. Because that is the response of every single Christian. When God draws near, we say, may it be according to your word. Let it be so. That's the response that we are all invited to give each Christmas as the Lord draws near. It's an invitation. Like it says in in Revelation, it says, the Lord stands at the door and knocks. We are invited to respond, and yet Christmas always requires of us a response. May we greet the Lord this Christmas as Mary did and say, Lord, let it be according to your word. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. As you're able, would you please stand? We continue our service as we affirm our faith together in the words of the Nicene Creed. Please join me as we pray. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is visible and invisible. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried, and on the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We'll now take a moment as the church to join our voices together. Um, as we do every week, to offer up prayers uh, during a pandemic. Let us pray to God, who alone makes us dwell in safety. For all who are affected by coronavirus, through illness or isolation or anxiety, 
that they may find relief and recovery. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. For those who are guiding our nation at this time, for those who are shaping our national policies, that they may make wise decisions. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. For doctors, nurses, medical researchers, that through their skills and insights, many would be restored to health. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. For the vulnerable and the fearful, for the gravely ill and dying, that they may know your comfort and your peace. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. We commend ourselves and for all whom we pray to the mercy and protection of God. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Increase, O God, the spirit of neighborliness among us, that in peril we may uphold one another, in suffering tend to one another, in homelessness, loneliness, or exile befriend one another. Grant us brave and enduring hearts that we would strengthen one another until the disciplines and testing of these days has ended and you again give peace in our time. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. We continue in prayer with a prayer of confession, first confessing in the silence of our own hearts. Let us together confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God forgives all who truly repent, have mercy on you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit keep you in eternal life. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let's greet one another from a distance with a sign of God's peace. You can remain standing. Just a quick reminder, this week we do not have an in-person Christmas Eve or Christmas service because of pandemic limitations. Uh, we will have to pre-record it, which we're actually doing after the service today. Uh, we're gonna record a full lessons and carols service, which will be wonderful. Um, we will be setting up in here pretty much immediately when this service is over. So my only request for you would be as soon as we're done, if you would um, go ahead and gather your things and head outside so we can begin to flip this room and, and get it ready for that recording. Um,
If you are not on our mailing list, make sure you sign up. We'll send out a special email on Christmas Eve with a direct link to the Lessons and Carol service and uh, hope you're able to participate um, as you're able from wherever you'll be that day. So uh, we continue with Holy Communion. Let's sing together the doxology.